Hello all sentient beings and welcome to Transmissions Alt Mode where we talk about all news, comics, and media related to the... On this special episode of Transmissions Alt Mode, Daryl and Jeremy talk with Matt Moylan. He was part of Dreamwave working on their Transformers comic in the early 2000s. He is also the creator of the Little Formers webcomic and currently the director of publishing at Udon Entertainment. So hang on tight. We're about to start this special episode of Transmissions Alt Mode. Hello and welcome to another Transmissions Alt Mode Extra. Uh, tonight we're going to do a fun little interview and travel back eh, a decade or two and uh, talk to uh, uh, a member of Dreamwave Publications. Uh, most people know this gentleman as uh, the creator of Lil Formers. He's also the director of publishing at Udon Entertainment, but he was also part of Dreamwave back in the day. Uh, tonight, we're going to have a chat with Matt Moylan. How are you, Matt? Uh, doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. I can't believe it's uh, we've taken this long to actually have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, better late than never. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry to say that those Dreamwave 2005 comics are not going to be coming out. Um, still late, but maybe we'll get the finish soon. <laughs> well, we're only going to talk about, because we just finished talking about uh, volume one. So we're not really there at the uh, the, the ones that kind of, you know, we, we try not to talk about the, the ones that just didn't come out. But uh, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the ones that finished, the storyline that finished. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Back when Dreamwave was on top of the world. And literally, yeah, yes, literally, yeah, like, the comics world. <laughs> no, that was a crazy time, dude. I'm um, like, yeah, the the first six issues that Dreamwave published were all number one on the sales charts, except for one issue, which was beaten by Armada number one when that launched. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, if you're gonna be beaten, do it yourself. <laughs> That's right. That's crazy. And that was when the sales charts actually meant a lot of books yeah i mean most most comics didn't maybe maybe sometimes comics had two covers i mean all the dreamwave comics had two covers but but you know now with so many multiple variants and so many incentive covers so comic shops are ordering extra copies of things that they just maybe throw away after or just sit in boxes forever i mean you never know how many people are actually buying the comics anymore yeah Mm -hmm. Well, um, when did you start with IDW or was IDW? <laughs> Sorry, I, I have DW written in my note. Uh, when did you start with Dreamwave? Like you, you were uh, early on. Well, I was uh, basically right when Dreamwave became a publisher. Dreamwave was was under Image Comics for a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, published through them, and then once they got the Transformers license, they went independent. Um, and just as they're doing that, I got a internship at Dreamwave. So the first like four months of 2002, uh, I was an intern. And then in April is when, uh, April of 2002 is when, uh, Transformers G1 number one came out the first, uh, Dreamwave Transformers issue. Well, they had to, they had like a little preview issue before that, but, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I was just finishing my internship as the first issue came out. Oh, nice. And what, what did you do in your internship? Uh, I was like an assistant web developer and graphics guy at the beginning. It's not really on the um, books themselves. 
Oh, but I like did yeah. stuff. I don't know. I, ch- I changed quickly. I like it became, you know, I was web guy. Then I was the web guy, then graphic designer. Then I like after like a, a year, I, I, I told Pat Lee and Roger Lee, like, I think there should be a whole design graphics, trade paperback posters department. <laughs> and I think I should be in charge of it. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, they put, I, I got put in charge of everything that wasn't uh, on the books that wasn't writing and drawing, you know, so or, or, or well, art, not art, art and writing. So I was in charge of the lettering, in charge of setting up the covers, uh, doing the ads, doing catalog ads, doing posters, calendars, all this, all, all kinds of stuff. Well, I mean, those posters and calendars, I think they did well too. I remember in the, the early 2000s, they were everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah man. Those, uh, especially uh, the two single characters, the Optimus and Megatron ones. Yeah. I mean, you still see those uh, today on things. Yeah, they still they still use them all kinds of uh, merchandising. Hasbro is smart enough to get all the assets like every month. Like send us everything every month. <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so in those first issues, you were you didn't have much of a hands on them, nope. but well, on the very so on the very first issue, I did like a half page ad for okay. Dreamwave's upcoming convention appearances, and I misspelled San Diego <laughs> in it. <laughs> Oops. There's two D's of San Diego. I don't know. I've never been there <laughs> at that time. They have beaches. <laughs> well, um, but you were credited starting, I think, in issue three with edits by, and you actually gave us a comment. I think it was on issue four about, was it the, the um, Red Alert? Oh, why, why Red Alert appeared? Yeah. yeah. So ed- edits at that time meant I was doing, I was, they put me in charge of like, look up, like research and figure out where all the Autobot and Decepticon logos go, put them on, um, on the characters. Cause the artist didn't drew them, drew the, draw them in most of the time, uh, or things like that, or just double check and look for like, just cause I knew a lot about transformers at the time. I'd mm-hmm. notice like, Oh, you know, Grimlock's eyes are the wrong color or something like that. Just look, look for stuff like that and, yeah. and just change it if it's easy. Um, but yeah, the thing I told you guys was issue. Yeah. Issue four, uh, yeah. yeah, Red Alert just shows up. He's suddenly there, and he hasn't been in any other scenes yet. <laughs> yeah. And it's because Pat accidentally drew Sideswipe with the uh, with the Autobots in uh, in, in on Prime's group. Yeah, in, in well, in yep. yeah, in Canada, and then also fighting Devastator in <laughs> in uh, in, uh, in San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so rather than redraw it, I, I recolored one of them to be red alert. And then I took the red alert from the issue number five or six cover. I think it's number six. Yeah. I took it from the number six cover and then I put him in, in the, in behind all the other, uh, Autobots when they show up with like the, the antivirus guns, I just edited them in the background. Yeah. And then I added, I also changed some of the lettering where I think it was a wheeljack or he said like, there's the seven of us can handle the, handle this, something like that. So I just edited in the eight of us can handle <laughs> Uh, it, it's nice that there was the beginning to be the era where a lot of stuff was digital. So I'm sure that made it easier. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's funny though. Um, it, thanks for Hasbro doing so many like repaints and recolors. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're the only toy line that can get away with it. Yeah. It's, it's such a complaint. Like even when, uh, uh, I don't know, like, like I, Last ten years, I collected the the Masters of the Universe He Man figures, the mm-hmm. classics figures, and all they'll take any chance to do a repaint or yeah. just a you know, slime pit He Man, like <laughs> another like copy of 
But if if it was Transformers, it'd just be like they just give them a new name and yeah. it's a new toy. <laughs> new name, just paste a new color on them, and yeah. Uh, and w- when we were going over these, um, the credits on these books seem to be like some of the longest that we've ever seen on like a non-anthology book. What was it like working well, with that many people on, on like single books? Well, that's a weird how this how that series went. I know there's a lot of colorists. Um, on the, so the first issue had only one colorist, uh, Pierre Terrio, and and he quit after the first issue and went to work <laughs> in video games. Oh wow! Oh wow! Um, I'm sure he so, did well for himself. <laughs> yeah. So then it mostly the series mostly I think well Pierre he's he's working I think he's working at Ubisoft now so he did well I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, after that it got taken over by. Uh, I think mostly three guys, Gary Young and Alan Wang and Ramel Sunga. And they're like Dreamwave's three star colorists and mm-hmm. they work really well together and they can, they can match each other. Yeah. So they work together. But then at the end when it was getting really late, um, um, Pat was just like banging out pages to try to catch up. So they brought in every colorist they knew. Uh, the yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I think reading it after the fact, I think I forgot that some, some of them were so late. Yeah. But, yeah, the art was always also broken down a lot more than an average American yeah. comic is. So they kind of like followed. And... Yeah, yeah, they kind of followed a more Japanese style of like, like the main get the main guy to do as little as possible so that he can do more. Right. So Pat actually just drew the robots and the humans, and the backgrounds would always be drawn by Edwin. That was like the whole time, all, all three years I worked at Dreamwave, um, Edwin drew all of Pat's backgrounds. Um, and, uh, yeah, flats are like, if anybody doesn't know, are like the kind of Archie comics colors, you just pick the colors and, and fill them in. And it's really just, it's grunt work. It, it doesn't take a lot of, uh, artistic skill. It takes skill to, to be a flatter, you know, you get faster and faster and you do more, but it saves the main colors a lot of time. So yeah. they just, um, the, the flatter also became like the researcher to, to figure out, you know, make sure they put the right colors, all the, all the transformers and stuff. Yeah. I think we've talked with some colorists and they've mentioned when like they're in a time crunch, they have friends help with flats. So, yeah. Uh, Uh, But yeah, it was a, it was a crazy time. I mean, the first, when when that first issue hit, it was just nuts because the only other comic that had, it was, it was not the first nostalgia comic. There was the GI Joe comics just before that. But how uh, this was, and they and they were pretty big. I think they were really successful at the beginning. But the, but Transformers was just huge. It, it was like, like there was um, the big store in Toronto. They're still around. They were a little different back then. But uh, as was Silver Snail, and they're known for doing elaborate uh, like window displays. Like for the Watchmen movie, they had like a life size Rorschach, and they they made an alley with crumpled up newspapers blowing by, all kinds of stuff. Like they do that kind of thing, or they'll put like here's every star wars figure for the last 10 years or something like that yeah. but for this they just put up it was just like an easel and they just cut up two copies of the issue and just pasted the issue in the window <laughs> and wow wow and just had people come in the store and, it, um, it was the perfect time for that wave of nostalgia like those of us that were finally kind of making our own money and able to oh yeah yeah to buy the toys that our parents had given away after we had moved out and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's basically up. once you have disposable income, you want to buy back your childhood. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. So, you know, Plus it, this was like, you know, 
not everybody remembers right away. Like when when you watch if you watch an old Thundercats episode and you know you haven't watched it since you were a kid, mm-hmm. you might be like, oh, that's a little cheesier than I remember. <laughs> but but this but but this comic was kind of, the attitude of it was kind of oh that's that's the coolness I remember it, even though it was maybe yes yeah, the cool, Transformers but. you remember not the Transformers actually was yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm was I'm currently going through G one re watch with my five year old like his first time and. Yeah, I know some of these episodes are going to be a, a pain to get through. <laughs> so was there any uh, discussion on uh, like within the, uh, the offices there while the books were coming out that, you know, uh, stuff that ended up being, um, you know, the, the fandom kind of latched, latched onto stuff like, you know, all the faces look the same um, and uh, um, other things like that, that, you know, some stuff like Charles would probably know a lot more about <laughs> if he had showed up for for the interview today. I never, uh, I, ever, I remember that kind of stuff like while I was at Dreamwave. I don't, I don't know necessarily during that first series that I remember much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We just there was this. It, it might have been there, but there was just so much hype and so many, so many people just saying it was, it was great and, and amazing. Yeah. Because, um, because it's visually, it was such a. S- step up in terms of like rendering mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. like the last transformers comics were like the g2 comics and they were still pretty flat yeah mm-hmm. um and, and, and it was kinda, on that the old paper and you yeah, I think used the newer print. smooth paper yeah so it just seemed just way fancier um and it seemed like i don't know just that era of comics at least to me like it, it felt like when I was buying, say, the cliffhanger comics by like Joe Maderera and and Alberto Ramos, J. Scott Campbell, were like every panel is just like amazing. Every time a new character pops up, like, oh my gosh, it's a panel of Grimlock! Wow, I haven't seen Grimlock in forever. Amazing. Okay, and you're like just happy to have seen him, even you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What about the? Because um, one thing I remember about picking it up uh, at the time was that. Um, this was all produced in Canada. Right. Yep. And I thought, Holy crap, there's a transformers comic and it's produced in Canada and it's printed in Canada. Right. It actually said <laughs> down at the bottom printed in Canada. Right. So can you walk us through like, like where you guys were kind of situated? I think it was in Markham and yeah. but where was, all, where was all the printing done? Right. Well, the. Uh... I have to think, but I would I would guess it. The, so printing is probably some form of um, the company that we still work with. Like Udon works with a company called Marquis in Quebec. Um, there's a there's a and they were oh I remember now. Okay, so so Marquis is sort of a spin-off separated company of a bigger company called Quebecor. Um, and we that's who Dreamway yep. worked at at the time, Quebecor. Uh, and Quebecor is not just a printing company, but I think they're like a, a big media company. They own TV yes, yeah. and things like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they, not sure what they still do for printing, um, but but uh, they, I'm sure they do some, They do something, but um, they might have a different name now. But but like even today, DC Comics prints, up until this recent uh, worldwide event, DC Comics printed all their comics in uh, in, in Quebec as well. Really? I didn't even know yeah. that. I thought everything was done overseas and shipped over. No, so. not for comics. I mean, we've looked into it and the savings is, is minimal for for this kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Plus, there's just not time to do it. Like you get, uh, so when you solicit comics in the Diamond catalog, which is the catalog everybody uses to order their comics, mm-hmm. you basically have the from the time the retailers make their orders um, to the time the the comic has to be out is sometimes as little as like a month. So mm-hmm. you you don't have the orders until like a month before the book's coming supposed to come out. Yeah. So you just don't have time to print it overseas. Um, the local printers can turn it around and get it from like you send them the files to being on the shelf in like three weeks. So everybody for, for floppy comics, unless you're just going to willing to take a guess of how much you're going to need, you, you got to print them here and print them either in, in Canada or in the U S. Mm-hmm. All right. But uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, the original Dreamwave office, yeah, I was in uh, at the North end of Markham and the so the, we were there for the first year of transformers comics i think they were there a little bit before that doing uh their own original comics but yeah for all for 2002 that's where dreamwave was and then we moved offices after after the first series was so successful um at the beginning of 2003 to a much bigger fancier office uh on the on the edge of richmond hill and markham it was on you know highway if you know toronto highway there's a Highway Seven separates those two uh, sub suburbs. So I, I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Don't. <laughs> so yeah, so on the north. So we're exactly on the north side of the highway, like like on the highway. <laughs> cool. But that was one of Dreamway's downfalls: was moving offices. Though <laughs> they moved oh. from a they moved from a two thousand dollars rent a month office to a twenty thousand dollars a month office. That, that's <laughs> like. The, the dot-com bubble, you know, a lot of companies did the same thing. Start, yeah. They start getting money and just waste it. Yeah, we needed a new office, but we needed just like a twice-the-size office, not this giant mega office that they renovated and kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, speaking of Canada, um, Yoshi did ask, want me to ask if you knew what the deal was with Canadian tanks. Well, I looked that up because of that. (laughs) And I don't know for sure about 2002, but right now Canada has 82 tanks and 600 infantry fighting vehicles, which I don't know what the difference is. But if you saw one come down the street, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, a tank. (laughs) So so we've got we've got some some things. (laughs) I I don't know if we'd have three of them in the Northwest Territories. (laughs) It's not much up there. Yeah, well, you, you got to protect yourself from the Alaska invasion. Well, <laughs> sure. Yeah. The um, the amphibious vehicles are built here in London, so that's those four wheeled uh, or eight wheeled, oh, yeah. I guess. They're built here in London, and they're uh, they're shipped all over the world. So, yeah, well, Santa, I see them. I see them all around the city, driving around, test driving. So, yeah, they're they're, they're I menacing. Brother, I had a brother in law who used to work on uh, on. I think he was painting them military vehicles that are made in London. Yeah. They're American military vehicles though, right? Yeah. Well, they yeah. build them for Saudi and they build them for oh, okay. all the, all the, whoever orders them, whoever has the, the dollar bills, man. They they're building build amphibious them. vehicles to go to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. I guess they got yeah. oceans, but <laughs> yes, yes, they do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so no, there's that, but 83 tanks. That's the, <laughs> Hey, that's a that's a good sized military we got there. <laughs> I guess we could line them all up on the border and have you know almost almost I don't know uh, maybe eleven per province. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Daryl, do you have anything else in the Dreamwave, Eric? I know you had some like more modern questions you wanted to ask. No, go ahead if you've got some more Dreamwave stuff. No, I, I'm, I, I'm done. I think with that. Oh. I mean, since we're we are only six issues in <laughs> to the, the Dreamwave era. Yeah, we don't yeah. have a whole lot. I mean, Matt, do you have any kind of like other cool? Because you mentioned the thing about Red Alert. Do you remember anything else going on that maybe we might not know about anything coming up as well? Well, there's all kinds of things. There's uh, so actually in the next uh, G1 series, uh, Ratchet. He wasn't really in this one. He was like unconscious. He's in a couple <laughs> panels in, yeah. this, in this first series, but he's in the next one. And around this time, it was not actually to do with ratchet but he was he he was affected by it so hasbro in the armada line had a had a, a red alert figure who was kind of an emergency vehicle he was like blue and white uh yes, yep. yeah so so they put a red cross on the side of that uh-huh. toy and the the red cross organization you know took legal action against them saying like, no you can't put that on there which is kind of important you know like yeah. they they can they control their logo so that people know when you're in like a combat zone or something. That's like the real Red Cross. Yeah, yeah, and it's, stuff like that. They don't um, want but, it to get so, that diluted. Yeah, so they told Hasbro like no Red Crosses on any on any toys. So like okay, so so they stopped doing that. They made when they made the next Red Alert repaint. He's like orange and white. He had it said like emergency rescue or something instead. But um, there's an issue of the the Dreamwave comic volume two where. Red Alert showed up, and we knew about this, so we reversed his shoulders to be a white cross on a red background um, oh, okay. versus his initial design. Um, but in, in, I don't remember what issue, maybe two or three, it got missed and it got printed, and uh, and it got noticed before it got shipped out. But they're already printed, and and I remember we asked Hasbro, "Can we like, is it okay if this goes out?" And they're like, "Nope." <laughs> no way so they they destroyed the whole print run of wow. an issue and reprinted wow. it um so that and was a few rough. get out a few got out right a few got out uh, and they're worth a, sh- a shit ton well if you ever find one <laughs> <laughs> there might have been a few saved by the printer and maybe they sent some out and maybe some people at the dreamwave office had a few mm-hmm. but but we'll see if you ever see one that might be worth something <laughs> yeah. i remember that was an issue with was it the masterpiece Ratchet or no, it, masterpiece Ratchet did does yeah. come with a, a cross, but he's got four squares in each corner. And for m- myself, I just I just cut the four corners out and just put them on there. Yeah, it, it, they made it where you can just make the cross yourself. Yeah, yeah. that's clever. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, I mean, there's all kinds of little things like uh, yeah, there's an issue of I think it's I think it was changed to Energon by this point. It was either Energon or I think it's Energon. Um, where Optimus Prime he gets zapped I think and you see like his I don't remember what, what exactly was happening maybe he was trans, maybe he was getting changed into Energon Optimus but anyway there's like a big panel where he's all co- covered in energy and you can see all of his uh, his insides like all of his, his schematics and stuff all his parts mm-hmm. inside and Don Figueroa was drawing this issue and he drew two little balls at his crotch like, oh, nice <laughs> oh that's fantastic <laughs> like, like spheres and, Michael Bay, and yeah, and we we noticed that in the office, and we asked we ha- I don't remember if we had him change it or someone in the office changed it, but we changed them to cylinders just to <laughs> just to not be that. 
didn't want to get in trouble with Hasbro later, but but the original art has that in it. Wow! <laughs> if someone owns it, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure if if he sold that actual page, you know, someone was a happy fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got something else. I know. I really like that you guys got this. That in the in the first G1 miniseries, that Wheeljack dies at the end, right? So, I, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems obvious to me, but. But yeah. it's not stated that he dies, but, you know, he superior and clearly dies and they kind of have a parallel thing happening there. And that's how it was written that he dies. But the follow up writer just chose to ignore that. Just, didn't, didn't, didn't say like he's, you know, well, we fair way to bring back. Nope, that never happened. I, I, I didn't want that to happen. So he's still like, around. <laughs> the, the last panel has jazz cradling Wiljack's body. <laughs> that seems oh, pretty yeah. clear. I brought. I remember seeing some pages. The first page where Wheeljack shows up in the next series, and I was like, "Oh crud! They they made a mistake. I'm gonna go make sure that 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 doesn't happen, and they're gonna be really happy that I noticed that." And I brought it in, and said, "You know, you guys screwed up. Uh, Wheeljack. Remember, he died in the first series, and the the, the writer just said Wheeljack didn't die. Like, no, he didn't die. It's like the, the hey. Duke and uh, GI Joe the movie. <laughs> well, at least that. I mean, that they did change. He." in the thing yeah. in the actual thing that was released Just with a voiceover but. yeah <laughs> he's in a coma that's that snake in the chest put him in, in a coma <laughs> okay <laughs> well there's another do you remember there's another line later on in the in the gi joe movie where he, duke's not around there's just yeah. somebody just says duke's gonna be okay yeah, at the very end <laughs> so as I mentioned in the uh, in the intro, you are pretty high up the ladder at Udon. Um, so how does a guy go from, you know, essentially just correcting edits and doing edits at, uh, at Dreamwave to being one of the head honchos over at Udon? I mean, you're you're wow. you're you know, you you're not just you're, you've got lots of people getting coffee for you now, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> Uh, we're all everybody Udon is like in different parts of the world, so not a lot of us working together, um, I, especially now. Um, but uh, well, I don't know. The thing I tell people about moving up is just be willing to try any job. Mm-hmm. Like you know, can you uh, you know can you lay out a cover? Like oh, probably try it out. <laughs> or can you uh, can you manage this little project? You know, we're really swamped. Sure, I can try managing a little project. Um, and you'll just, you know, just keep picking up new skills and trying out new things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I went from, so at Dreamwave, I started as an intern, became a web guy, graphics guy, ran the post-production department. And at the end, I was managing some projects. Like uh, I managed the Transformers Armada, more than meets the eye encyclopedia. I'm sorry, the, uh, well, I'm ma- sorry, I managed the, um, the second one, the Yanarjan encyclopedia that never got released. No. <laughs> So not, not to your, just, not your fault <laughs> yeah so i managed that um and some other things um but then after after dreamwave closed i did some random freelance stuff and then after about a year i got a job at udon writing press releases um at first it was actually just rewriting the press releases uh eric co who owns udon would write them and english is his second language so it wouldn't be perfect so he just say go over this and fix it mm-hmm. up um but to uh, yeah, writing press stuff, being becoming the whole marketing person, then becoming a project manager and graphics guy, and eventually just being in charge of all publishing. 
um, which is kind of it's not that uh, I mean, there wasn't the guy who, who did this before me was Eric himself. Just Udon just grew and grew until he needed more people to do all the stuff that he did used to do. <laughs> it's a good, Great. good situation to be in, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we do um, maybe we still do occasional comics, but are for, for Street Fighter and uh, related stuff like Darkstalkers or Rival Schools, things like that. But uh, our main our main thing we do is publishing video game art books, mm-hmm. um, publishing or anime art books. Uh, some of them are translated from Japanese books, but some of them are original ones we assemble ourselves from scratch. Um, we also translate manga do some original graphic novels. Um, we're right now we're running uh, an Indiegogo campaign for Random Views, which is uh, a graphic novel about an interdimensional package delivery service. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah, so so they might be delivered. They might not even know what they're delivering. Um, they have a tendency to accidentally cause a lot of explosions, <laughs> things like that. Um, so it's a, real, it's a really fun, uh, wacky series by uh, Jeffrey Chamba Cruz. Chamba is like his nickname. Um, so, you know, just <laughs> go to go to any of the Udon social medias like uh, Udon Anton on uh, Twitter and and you can find out more about it. We, okay. we talk about it all the time since we're running the campaign right now. Cool. Yeah, we'll also get the URL yeah. and put it in the show notes. Cool. Link to that for sure. And uh, the other thing that, uh, like I said, most people probably know you from is from your little formers. And uh, yeah, and and. I first found you uh, at, a, at a TFCon back in 2012, just sketching away. And uh, and you and I have had a, a annual relationship doing sketch covers uh, every year. But uh, you've been doing Lil Formers for a really long time. And and uh thing I didn't really, you know, find out until, you know, relatively recently, maybe a couple of years ago, is that you completely shifted your, your art style from, you know, um, I don't know, more comic book esque to the cheapy style, which is what you use for little farmers. And when did that happen? And and how did you, you know, did you just decide one day that I got to go, you know, whole hog into this, you know, little former style and, and, and just stick with it. And uh, you know, what was the, the, the story behind little farmers? Well, I mean, yeah, I never, I used to draw, before that, but you know, I I didn't have any professional credits or anything. I just drew superheroes that I liked, like X Men and mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and while I was at Dreamwave, I I think I pitched a couple times, like we should do a Transformers comedy series, and I, I would love to, I would I would love to write it. And I don't know who would draw it. Um, I thought maybe um, Matt Nelson, who's another chibi uh, Transformers artist. He was he had some comics published in the Dreamwave comics, um, and they just never. Uh, I never got the pitch past that, like the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't. They didn't decide it was something to move forward with. But then after Dreamwave shut down, um, I just had all this Transformers knowledge stuck in my head. Just had to come out somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I decided I'll just try. I, I just uh, the first one was not really meant to be a comic. Um, I just drew a shockwave and I added a speech balloon and I posted it on TFW on the website. It was a shockwave going like pew pew. I'll conquer sound. I'll con- conquer Cybertron with my super sweet sound effects. Um, and people like that. Someone they'd say like, "Oh, draw a warpath. Draw a draw. A, I don't know a brawn." And so I just started drawing more and adding speech balloons. And eventually, like, "Oh, this is a. I got like a dozen of these. I'll make a make it a website and mm-hmm. just do them regularly." Um, so yeah, I just 
I don't know. I just decided to draw like the art style. I just decided to draw a chibi shockwave because I thought it would be fun. <laughs> and then I kept drawing them after that. You've got it down, though. I mean, you're the style that you do it in is is you know it's it's concise. It's it's it works, and uh, yeah, man. I don't you know it works for everything too. I mean, like you know, you and I have done almost I think nine. Oh, will be nine or ten covers. Is and that many? Oh my god, <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? And uh, yeah, so it's it's a lot of covers. Probably nine this year. And uh, yeah, there. I don't think I've had you draw a transformer yet. Well, actually, this year will be one. But uh, <laughs> um, but uh, they're all different. They're all you know superheroes and and such. And your style works for everything yeah so you know i've had, been really had, impressed by it yeah i got you to do, to do a superman a few years ago and it's just it's great mm-hmm. the uh those sketch covers some of them are really fun like really nice to draw and some of them are really hard to draw the the, the paper change even in the same company the paper changes all the time like is is one of yours uh daryl the the wolverine like is that <laughs> yeah. one of yours yeah yep. so that one it's really bad paper, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> so I'm drawing it and like, this is so rough. It's getting all smudgy. So I tried to make it crazy, like a Bill Sinkovitz cover, <laughs> kind of a little bit, just because it's getting messy anyway. So, <laughs> but that, I, I remember that one was really hard to draw on, on the cover, but I don't know what it is. Um, it seems like they always use the sketch covers to kind of experiment with their paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first few, I think the first few you really liked, and uh, those were it's older paper, and I still have a few of those covers left, so maybe I'll work with the work work with you with those in the next, you know, the next few years. Send right. those I've, back to you. I've gotten, um, you know, I've gotten to know like to try it out as I'm going. Okay, this is what this cover is going to be like, so I just have to be careful. Um, mm-hmm. So I think most most artists are like that. They know know to to be very careful when they start drawing it before they, so they know what, cause you don't never know what that, that paper is going to be like. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sketching at uh, conventions is almost the only time that I uh, draw on paper. <laughs> Most of my art is digital. Mm. Mm. Well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, no, it's uh, it. So you would have very little actual original art then. Yeah. The first uh, 20 or 25 little formers, I drew them in pencil on paper and then i i inked them on inked them and colored them on the computer so i have some of the old stuff but yeah after that i just went all digital that's awesome well uh jeremy what else do you have um well maybe like yeah as you mentioned this is a unique situation for the comics industry uh it's starting to get back on its feet um how how has it really affected Udon? I mean, I guess you said they only do a few comic series. Well, our, our, we only do, we don't do a ton of, like we def, we don't have a monthly comic all the time. We, yeah. Like we're not going to have comics all the time. We do mini series here and there. Um, but even though we don't do monthly comics, uh, Diamond Distributors is our exclusive distributor for not mm-hmm. just comic stores, but for bookstores, Amazon international Mm -hmm. all this stuff so we're affected by the shutdown just like everybody else um luckily we are uh because we only have a few releases a month rather than like five or six a week um we we're actually when this started we were actually in the middle of like a six-week break 
Um, it was oh. kind of it was. It, we don't usually have that big of a break, but we just happened to have one where we didn't have any new releases. Um, mm. So the that one was closed for a whole two months. So we've definitely had some titles get delayed. Um, we've also been affected by Diamond having to uh, uh, delay payments to mm. all their their vendors. I mean, it really sucks, um, but there wasn't really much else they could do because. Uh, it's not just that it's not that they just decide to not pay people. It's that, you know, some comic shops are shut down and not paying their bills. Yeah. Some, some big, like not just, and it's not just little things like big vendors, like, like there's a library distributor that wasn't paying their bills. Um, Amazon decided, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to be buying any new books for at least yeah. a month. Yeah, they were focusing on more health related stuff. Yeah. Just and, and it was just because they just didn't have the the manpower to handle all this stuff, so they had to decide what they were going to prioritize at Amazon. Yeah. Um, they like they're doing amazing sales of everything. Just yeah, just we gotta until we get a handle on this, we have to stop ordering some things. Um, so yeah, it was a rough. It was a no, I wouldn't say rough. It was like a scary couple months where where we didn't know exactly where everything was going to end up, but Udon had some some reserves and uh, Eric code didn't have to lay off or furlough anybody That's good. during the, the time. Um, we started some new projects for direct sales. Like we, we created a Udon Capcom sketchbook that we took pre-orders for on our website. And that's actually going to start shipping in two weeks. Nice. Um, we, uh, uh, Udon's come up with a bunch of new pins. Cause we also have uh, mer- merchandising licenses with a bunch of uh, different companies like Capcom and Atlas and, Tatsunoko, all kinds of guys. Um, so, so while 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 we were like kind of delayed in book releases, we came up with all these new projects, and so those are going ahead. And now the old projects are back on track. So there's a lot of stuff happening <laughs> at one time. <laughs> it, it's a great place to be in, I guess. But it, it, yeah, it's weird because it the whole thing just kind of exposed the like all of the faults in the comic publishing system from mm-hmm. from the local stores all the way up. So it's great that you guys yeah. are able to weather the storm. Yeah. So we'll see where the industry will be in a few months. I mean, definitely there will be stores that close permanently. Yeah. There will be publishers that close permanently or, or shut down and have to sell their assets or something. But yeah. uh, hopefully everyone who gets through it will be stronger because of it. Yeah. I mean, one of the, pro- one of the big problems before the industry was just there's too much stuff. Mm-hmm. There's too much stuff on the shelf. Um, so it could benefit from especially the big guys, like just scaling back a little bit. Yeah. I, I saw Marvel just eliminated a whole wave of variant covers, like a whole, oh, really? I think there have been related variant covers. I'm like the, the big two, especially get a little crazy with the variants. Well, DC was even before this, they were, they had publicly said like, we're going to be scaling back our yeah. number of titles. Um, should be great. I mean, imagine if, if say Marvel was just publishing Say twenty comics a month. I mean, you could buy you could buy the whole Marvel universe for like a hundred bucks in a month. Yeah, um, maybe you would. Like right now, you right now you pick and choose. Maybe if you could get everything, you'd you'd buy everything just to keep up with. It. Yeah. Okay. I mean, do you need like five Spider-Man titles? I don't know if there is five, but <clears throat> if it was me, I don't know Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> I would just take take every 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 com every comic series that has had a movie in the last 10, 15 years. They get a comic, and then you know five more just to experiment with and then just yeah see where it goes from there <laughs> it's true 
I got a question for you because um, there's IDW has been in the news quite a lot lately um, because of their financial situation. Now you've gone through this with Dreamwave with uh, them having a bit of a financial situation. I, I think most people that will listen to this podcast know what it is. Um, <laughs> but um, if the worst possible thing happens and, and, and IDW has to close, um, what would you think happens to their licenses? Would, would Udon take a run at one of their licenses? Well, it's tough to say. We, like People have asked me, and I said, well, we got to see where the comic market settles. Um, like, license, the comics was tough enough to begin with. Yeah. Uh, but because it's it, like for us, it's the most expensive thing we do for the least return. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still do okay. it because we love making, we love making comics. Um, and it keeps our, you know, keeps our, our relationship with Capcom nice if we're helping expand their, their brand a little bit, um, sure. doing new stuff. Uh, but I mean, I'd love to do something. I'd love to, if Udon could do a Transformers comic or like a Sonic the Hedgehog comic, or, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. So I'd, I'd imagine, I mean, I guess everything would, would not everything IDW does, but slowly different people would, would pick things up. I mean, I I don't know what's going to happen, but it's, it's weird to compare the two because they're different situations. IDW seems much worse, but they're a much bigger company. Sure. Than Dreamwave ever was. So Dreamwave, like Dreamwave never had any significant like debt. Like they never had any investors. It's just that Dreamwave didn't pay people. And at the <laughs> end, they, an you issue. know, they, yeah, they owed people two, mil- two million bucks, basically. A lot yeah. of it was to Hasbro for life, for royalties. They owed a lot of rent. They owed a lot of individual creators. Yeah. Um, but uh, IDW has, you know, huge investors. Uh, so they've been able to operate at a loss for a few years because they had the huge investors up front, but that's not going to last forever. Right. Um, no. I mean, so if you think, so Dreamwave owed people $2 million and that was, that was basically two, two bad years. They accumulated two, $2 million of debt. IDW, the last two years has had, I think a combined $60 million in losses, like six, zero yeah. million. Yeah. So I don't know how you come back from that. <laughs> Um, and I don't know what kind, how how much of investment they had at the beginning. Maybe that's public knowledge. I'm not sure um, what what those figures are. I don't know. But uh, but man, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But IDW is also publicly traded. Um, yeah, yeah. So a lot of their information is public. I mean, I know they're de- they. If I understand it, they said they're depending a lot on their TV shows. Well, two of which, two of the three of which are canceled now. So. Yeah. But they I have don't know what's going to They have happen. one hit on Netflix. <laughs> lock and key. So, I mean, it could be, like I said, it could be they just shut down and then the licenses go to other companies or it could be uh, maybe their publishing division is sold to somebody else and it continues to kind of exist altogether as one thing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that could happen. Or maybe they, they've got some brilliant ideas and they've come back stronger. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see yeah well i guess uh you know all we can do is wait but uh yeah no you're right it's uh it's an in- it's 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 a different situation completely but uh but the end result is is we want to be able to see comics yeah transformers comics specifically for our show but <laughs> um but uh you know we want to see 
we want to see a company making Transformers comics um, that uh, that get out to the market because that's how yeah. people who experience the you know the the stories, right? Um, yeah, I just want whether whoever it's from. If if I want a Transformers comic, I want I want the uh, I want the good Autobots to fight the evil Decepticons for control of Cybertron or control of energy. And that's oh. about it. You don't, you don't want that's Autobot Megatron? No. I don't. It doesn't compute in my head. It's like, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Is it like, unless it was part of a really long game that he was playing, maybe, but otherwise, like, you know, to get in something or I'm going to, this is how I'm going to get the matrix this is how I'm going to wake a Unicron something. But otherwise it just does not compute for me. <laughs> uh, it, it felt like a satisfying thing to me, but I, I understand a lot of the people that just didn't understand it. But I was okay with Autobahn Megatron, but basically that was my tipping point. It was, it was good. And then it, everything just kind of fell off after that. Yeah. So, Yeah. Um, I guess I have one, one last industry question. Um, sure. What, uh, I mean, it seems like the, everything now, I mean, we have the digital comics are, are growing and growing in popularity, especially because of the, the shutdown, like DC and Marvel in particular did a bunch of digital first to just get stuff out there. But it seems to us that the big issue preventing kind of an explosion of digital comics is, the the price match between physical and digital when it obviously costs a lot less to produce a digital book. Where do you, do you ever see that changing in the future? Like where digital books would end up being cheaper? Well, if you want to know how much it actually costs less, it's probably something, but depending on the print run, it could, it's between like a, okay. Like a, a book that, that Marvel printed like a hundred thousand copies of, probably cost them like 10 cents <laughs> a comic okay. it's but a, a you know but a book that's like ten thousand might cost like 30 cents or 40 cents but so it is uh it is significant when you're only getting maybe on a if the cost of a comic's four dollars the, the publisher's getting like a buck 60 right is what they're actually getting out of it so you know it's different amount of significance how it may have money you're printing but it's it's not a ton of savings but at the same time, um, you're making a ton of extra money if you're selling it at full price because you're not right, giving yeah. retailers their their cut and you're not giving Diamond their cut. So, um, yeah, it doesn't make se- I mean, it doesn't make sense that that they cost the same because there there isn't the same uh, amount of stuff put into it. But like, it, it's always functioned in the book industry that way. I think they're usually they're usually the same price at the beginning and then they okay. go down in price. Um, but yeah, in, in comics, it's mainly to not kill comic shops, yeah. I would say. But yeah, I think at the same time, digital didn't take off as crazy as people thought it would. Um, I think most publishers do like Udon where we, we release it at the, at full price. And then after, you know, six months, we bring it down to like half price. Yeah. And uh, I think back less. issues usually settle around like 99 cents or so. But, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that the industry does still do to try to somewhat to take care of comic shops. Like comic shops get a lot of things. Depending on the publisher, they'll they might still get a lot of books two weeks early, mm-hmm. earlier than other places. Um, and that that's a historical thing because uh, when you're talking about comic 
uh, comic books back in the day, uh, comic shops would get, say, an issue of Spider-Man two weeks earlier than a newsstand got an issue of Spider-Man. And the trade-off for that was that the comic shop version was not returnable. But if the newsstand didn't sell theirs, they could just rip off the covers, mail them back, and they get their money back. Um, so that was like kind of a fair and balanced thing. But now we're so many years later, and there's really no newsstand anymore. Right. Um, and comic shops are still stuck in this non-returnable relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I, know, I know that my store in London here gets them sometimes as early as monday but usually it's tuesday they get them and then they're available on wednesday so if it's a good you know well flowing week they'll get them on monday but that's that's a rarity so it used to be that they got them wednesday morning um (laughs) and then they worked really you know diamond and i guess all the shops they just worked really hard to to come up with a system that they could get them on on tuesdays and then release on wednesday because that helps them so much that they can set them up on tuesday night Mm-hmm. Um, so now that DC's letting people sell stuff on Tuesdays, it's since they're using alternate distributors, it's getting very complicated and messy. So I don't know what's going to happen. Like, yeah. is somebody going to say, well, we're going to release our comics on Mondays and yeah. we're going to release ours on Fridays. It's just going to go back and back till you get back to Wednesdays again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I asked my shop and they, they said they're sticking with just Wednesdays and yeah. they're not it's going easiest. with new distributors. Yeah, uh, well, someone else, uh, I what podcast I was listening to, but someone was, was saying like, well, people are going to come, even if you do release the DC Comics on Tuesdays, people are like, like, comic fans know how this works and they know that, you know, if I come in for an issue of Batman, that you have an issue of Spider-Man behind the cover, yeah. sorry, behind the counter that you could give me right now, but you're not. Mm-hmm. So, so either, yeah. you know, give it to me now and I'll buy it. Or maybe I won't come back tomorrow, you know. So like, <laughs> or yeah, or you don't want to have people wanting to come, um, you know, multiple days a week. Yeah, they'll just come once a week, regardless. And I think for the most part, people will just come on Wednesdays. But yeah, there, there, there could, you know, comic shops know that there could be some lost sales because some people are want to get it right away and they're just not going to come back. And they'll just say, "I'll just get it next week," and then they they don't get that impulse buy. They yeah. they just decide to not get it next week. I don't know. Well, I think the reason that one of the reasons DC said they want it to be Tuesdays is because uh, book market releases things on Tuesdays. Yeah, now, not not floppy comics, but you know trade paperbacks and and books and things. So that's why they said they're trying to align things. But I think movies and music are also on Tuesdays. Oh, okay. I remember that. Yep. Well, uh, Daryl, you want to run through the um, rapid fire? Oh, sure. <laughs> Shit. I got to find that. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I like getting kind of some more concrete answers about the industry stuff that we just kind of speculate on. And I'm happy to know we're yeah, right about 50% of the time. <laughs> you have more write them down and you have me on again next awesome. another time mm-hmm. i just found well looking through my i found this interesting i'm looking through i don't know if you guys are you guys using the video i know you're recording video uh, but well i'm recording it, yeah but you can show okay it. well i'll just i'll talk about it but um i found for the do you remember the war within the first war within series yeah yep so the first war within has there was a preview issue called dreamwave preview special that uh had like six different comic series previewed in here that were coming up one of them was war within 
It has a four page War Within preview, but it's not a preview of issue number one. It's a preview <laughs> of, of War Within preview. <laughs> so there's a, there's a War Within preview issue that has, I think, about 10 pages of story. So the, the Dreamwave preview had four pages of the War Within 10 page preview. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's an original story. That's not in, it's not an issue number one. But then so yeah, there's a preview of the preview and then issue number one. <laughs> you don't want to let anything slip. You know, no, no, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, okay, so let's run into rapid fire here. Uh, this is something that we do with all of our guests here, and uh, it's just something to uh, kind of you know close out the interview. So uh, Matt, Autobot or Decepticon? Decepticons. Who is your favorite Decepticon? Uh, Shockwave. All right. Transformers live action movie. One, two, three, four, five, or Bumblebee? (laughs) The first 10 minutes of Bumblebee. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, More than meets the eye or Lost Light, R.I.D. or Optimus Prime, Till All Are One or the new ongoing Transformers series? Haven't read any of them. (laughs) <laughs> all right <I'm> sorry <laughs> Which, uh, oh, so, whatever one alex milne draws okay hey alex <laughs> <laughs> he did draw more than meets the eye there, so you, go. there you go uh third party toys yes or no uh well i they're cool but i i don't have any i only have the uh volcanicus upgrade kit okay well that's a that's a third party add-on i'll take that sure <laughs> uh cats or dogs Cats for me. Coffee or tea? I don't drink either of them. (laughs) All right. Chicken or steak? Oh, chicken, probably. Pepsi or Coke? Coke, which I say even though I have a Pepsi right here. (laughs) (laughs) Burger King or McDonald's? Oh, McDonald's is where I'll usually go. But the Burger King stackers are awesome. Uh, history or science? Uh, science. Xbox, PlayStation, or Switch? Switch. Switch is amazing. <laughs> PC or Mac? PC. iPhone yeah. or Android? Uh, I have an iPhone, so I've got right. two different answers there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. Which, uh, which phone app can you not live without? Oh, uh, I've got one that I call track my wife, <laughs> but, it's, but it's really just like a find your friends. It's so that I can, I can time. I don't use it now, but it's so that I can time dinner so that I know when she's exactly going to get home. I, I do the same thing. With my, my wife used the, the find my thing on iOS just so like, I'll know when she's leaving work or whatever. Yeah. Cause I work at home and she works in a, you know, in regular time, she works in an office. So that's a great app for like, Oh, dinner's ready right on time. Or like, I know I don't have to start yet because she's a little behind or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, Marvel or DC? Uh, my whole life, I'm a Marvel person. But, you know, there's great stuff at both. All right. Both Who universes. is your favorite Marvel character then? Oh. I'll just go for an obscure one I really like. This is Maverick from X-Men okay awesome that is obscure he has the weird power to see into the immediate future of his enemies and take 
take <laughs> appropriate action. <laughs> uh, Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Oh, I think Stallone. I like right. Demolition Man. <laughs> uh, Pixar or DreamWorks? Oh, man, that's such a sad question now. A class, class, I used to be such a Pixar, like everything Pixar can do is great, and it's just changed. Like DreamWorks does some good stuff now. Oh, overall, Pixar. Full, Pixar. full catalog, Pixar. But right. nowadays, DreamWorks. <laughs> Do you have a guilty pleasure movie that you'll always watch if you run across it on TV? Probably. Let's see. Uh, like you're just flipping through and you're just like, holy shit, this is on. I, and you sit down and watch uh, it. Well, I love uh, Snatch by Guy Ritchie. That's it's a like, good one. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people say Lockstock is better is better movie, but I did, I saw a snatch first. So they're almost the same movie kind of a thing. Just, just how they're structured and how they operate. So I saw snatch first. So I like that one better. Pat Brad Pitt in that. Yeah. movie, Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, star Wars or star Trek. I'm a star Trek person, but I, I still, I, I love star Wars too. Not a big fan of either of them right now, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but star Trek is like probably my favorite thing. All right. You watch the Orville? I love the Orville. The Orville's amazing. It's just Star Trek. <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's it's, it's the like, best Star Trek right now. It's like how you know so the Star Trek movies, how they they alternate good, bad, good, bad. As yeah. long as you as long as you put Galaxy Quest in when it came out, then they alternate. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. Orville is the great Star Trek series right now. Yeah. <laughs> There's also some other things happening that are called Star Trek. <laughs> Uh, the Simpsons, Family Guy, or Rick and Morty? Uh, well, I love The Simpsons. Simpsons, Simpsons is one of my favorite things. Which is, I just, no, I just had my birthday, and I, I just became o- older than Homer, even though I was younger than Bart when Simpsons started. Oh man, <laughs> it's a series that will never end. Well, yeah, I'm sure it's about to. But, <laughs> but uh, Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty is great. Family Guy has some really good moments, but is very uneven. <laughs> Walking Dead or Game of Thrones? Uh, Walking Dead. I don't get I don't get Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right. NFL, MLB, NHL, UFC, or NBA? Uh, NHL. Not, not a huge sports guy, but I have to pick NHL. Yeah, it's Canadian. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, or Volkswagen Beetle? Lamborghini. Lamborghini Countach for the Lambo brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, blonde, brunette, or redhead? Oh, my wife is a brunette. So that's the best. <laughs> that's, the, that's the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well done. That's the gauntlet. Cool. Well, Phew. Um, I guess one other question we have that's not part of the rapid fire, but are, are you yeah. open for commissions? You know, since yeah, sure. basically every convention is not happening right now. Yeah, I've done a few lately. Um, if you have like a blank sketch cover, uh, most people I've been I've been telling them, you know, you you mail it to me and I'll mail it to you, and I won't charge you any shipping. Um, so other and otherwise, I'll just charge you for the sketch. And if uh other or if you uh want just want a, a sketch on paper, I do uh um eight by ten art boards. Is what my sketch size is usually. It's usually it's easy to frame. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, or I could do something bigger if you really want. But yeah, I'm totally open. Just contact me. Go to uh, lilformers.com and there's like a contact form to contact okay. me or just, you know, hit me up on, on Twitter <laughs> at lilformers. Um, yeah, I did, uh, I think for, I think as a friend of Daryl's, I did a, a connecting silver surfer and a nineties green lantern. Nice. Nice. He didn't ask for that, but I just made them connect anyway. <laughs> well, they had that crossover series. Yeah. They had a crossover and they fought each other. This specific green lantern fought silver surfer in the, the Marvel DC yeah. Marvel versus DC. Cool. Yeah, no, he, uh, his name's Rob and he, uh, he asked me, he's like, who's, who's an artist I can get? I'm like, getting itchy for some, some uh, sketch covers. And I'm like, well, I rattle off a couple names and I said, Matt's great. And, and he's, uh, he does this uh, chibi style and you'll probably really love it. And I showed him some examples that you had done for me. And I said, here, hit him up on Twitter. He's, he's really accessible. And he's, he's as opposed to all these other artists, he's local. Basically he's, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's just in Toronto. So, you know, you hit him up and, and, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, man. And he's before I knew it, he'd already sent the covers off to you. And he's like, yeah, he's doing them up. <laughs> like, all right, cool. So, yeah, cool. yeah I it saw was fun. I mean, yeah. Silver Surfer, I wanted to do nice backgrounds and everything because Silver Surfer is just, he's just like white. <laughs> so there's not much color to put on. I'm just some, I just put on some, some light blue highlights and mm-hmm. stuff. So I felt like I needed to do some nice backgrounds. There's actually one guy. Oh, I forget his name, but he comes. So I have a commission rate for a black and white or a color. And it's basically the same process where I just draw the lines. And if you want color, I uh, fill it in. But, um, you know, it's cheaper to get the black and white without color. But there's one guy who comes every show. and like, what do you want? I want a black and white. OK, who do you want? And he'll be like, I want Black Panther or, or I, want, <laughs> I want Venom. Or he comes every time he comes up with like a new black and white character. <laughs> so I try to I try it. Because he's so like clever every time I give him the black and white rate, but I you know try to do it a little extra nice for him because it's <laughs> kind of smart. You now now you have a thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's awesome. Well, very good. All right. Thank you very much, Matt, for joining us tonight. Um, and we will continue with doing these uh, Dreamwave retrospectives as we have no Transformers comics to do. So, uh, We'll just keep looking back and uh, maybe we'll check in ag- again with you as uh, as we get through to uh, maybe some of the other series like uh, War Within as we get to that. So, yeah. Cool. Well, Chronolod I mean, and releases besides Armada, that's the next release is what, what actually was released. So, see oh, really? Oh, OK, cool. Yeah. Yeah. War Within, War Within started before Volume 2. So. <laughs> I think we're on to cool. volume two next because Charles dictated it shall be so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, right on. Well, thank you very well, much yeah. again, and thanks, uh, we will see you uh, later. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Right. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Transmissions. But just because this episode is over doesn't mean the Transformers fun has to stop. Join us and other Transformers fans on our Discord chat server by visiting transmissionspodcast.com slash Discord. If you would like to learn more about how you could support the Transmissions Podcast, just visit transmissionspodcast.com slash support. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again next week.